0: Episode of the Best Supporting Podcast, a podcast dedicated to celebrating and dissecting the performances of our favorite best supporting actresses.
1: My name is Nick Kachanov, and is anybody supposed to smoke? And my name is Colin Drucker, and he smokes a lot of grass.
0: (laughs) I love that we both had smoking opening lines. That's good. Oh, I
1: know. I know. How do you like that? Um, And maybe that's appropriate because I feel like. August, Osage County is a movie you need a cigarette with.
0: Yeah, it made me want to light up afterwards and just walk around in my backyard with like the wind in my hair. Right. <laughs> yeah, in my wig. Yeah, yeah. A wig.
1: My robe flapping about. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Well, we are. You know, we we kind of it it came up in conversation. I think the Big Fish episode because of you and McGregor. And in passing, that brought us to an August Osage County tangent, and you just never know what a tangent is going to produce. And in this case, it's going to, hopefully, we haven't recorded it yet, we're doing it right now, it's going to produce a whole episode. uh, Because we're here this week to talk about the 2013 film adaptation of the Pulitzer Prize winning play, August Osage County.
0: I'm excited to talk about this. This is, I will say this is the first time... I've ever watched the movie and I feel that I've seen, I feel that I've seen a clip or two, you know what I mean? But not really mm-hmm. like the full extent, not not like the entire dinner scene. I've just seen like, you know, the tackle on the floor. Um, right. So this right. was really my first time. I've never seen the play ever. I've read the play. Mm-hmm. I own the play. But um, that's kind of my experience with this. How about you? I know, I feel like. You're the opposite. Yeah, <laughs> you've seen it. That, and... That's
1: been kind of a a plus and a minus. It's like, well, I, having seen the play, it's so hard to kind of like not compare. Uh, though I'll say, if you just search August Osage County OBC, you will watch. You can watch the play on YouTube.
0: I think I might. I was thinking that last night too. Like those slime tutorials. That's what that, that's yep. like the musical equivalent of it. Yep.
1: I watched a little of it. I watched just a little of the you know the Act Two because my favorite part oh, is you know, obviously it's in the movie but like you know comparing amy morton doing it in in the play with the big blackout right after to julia roberts doing it it's like it's almost like i can't even see julia roberts doing it because i'm only comparing it to amy morton but yeah. Uh, so yeah so i'd seen the play i saw it on broadway it was like the typical like in your early 20s New York story of like sitting in the nosebleeds in the last top row of the mm-hmm. last top balcony with my roommate. And and this was maybe the one time where those were the best seats in the house because the play was a three-story house. Yeah. And so you kind of needed to see everything or you kind of got to see everything, I guess. Um, not that I would have been mad with uh, better seats, but it also helps that like... This play is played to the back row. Like Amy knew I was up there, you know? Oh, yeah.
0: I mean, it feels like an opera in a way. It's so operatic and dramatic that I think that's perfect to, like, sort of take in the full oh, scope. My God.
1: What if someone turned this into an opera? <laughs> oh, my God. Well, you know, like, not to get too far on a tangent so early in the episode, but yep. for the example, The Hours has been turned into an opera that will be playing in New York in November.
0: Yes. I'm excited for that. And I so I would love to come and see it. I, I think what are the dates? Because you know what I thought you were going to say, but I got confused with just things that, you know, sort of prestige white people things that I'm excited about is <laughs> the opera or like the opera adaptation of The Hours and then a Lincoln Center. Not Lincoln Center. Uh, City Center Encores, I think, is doing Light in the Piazza the weekend of my birthday in 2023. So there's that, too. So, oh, Very excited Wow. Yeah. So, wow. But, yeah, back to the hours, though. I mean, I think
1: that's coming up. The fact that, yeah, yeah. it's coming up. But, like, the fact that, like, obviously, like, I I don't know. I guess I could see that being an obvious opera the same way I could see this being an obvious opera. I mean, there's diva roles. There's big dramatic moments. There's it, – it kind of all – yeah, it kind of all plays out like an opera, and instead of everybody dying one by one, they just leave the house one by one.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, it, it would be cool, but I there's so many people in it, too. I mean, oftentimes operas, there's like three or four leads and then like a chorus, so I'd be interested. I don't know if oh, it would yeah. do well as a musical. I just can't picture it, but... Well, yeah, it'd be, it'd have to be so me,
1: specific right like i don't want to hear like jason robert brown writing like you know guitar riffs for barbara to sing on the porch you know what i mean <laughs> yes. like that's true, no yeah. yeah like that's Little not Charles, you know yeah yeah and i you know do not want to see that <laughs> <laughs> already hurting instead of still yes, yeah, exactly, yes exactly exactly yeah <laughs> Uh well, this music will be over in the next ten minutes. Yeah, uh, uh, there we go. Uh, <laughs> hey-o. uh So anyway, so I'd seen it on Broadway, loved it. I mean, it's it's bonkers. the 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 play is with two intermissions. I think all told, it's like a three and a half hour evening. And I remember feeling like I never want this to end. Like yep. it didn't feel at all like three and a half hours. And and it was amazing. It is. It is just an amazing. You know theater experience there was a coworker of mine that did say oh it's kind of like an episode of mama's family on like steroids and i was like oh you're ruining it for me but i could also see how while it is a pulitzer prize winning kind of prestige story of dysfunctional families and alcoholism and secrets and whatnot it is also like a door slamming stomping around revelations around the dinner table like Real Housewives episode, you know what I mean? Like, it, yeah. it's a mix of high art and, you know, uh, domestic, you know, kind of dramas that we would see on TV, even.
0: Yeah, I forgot about the, the twist when Maddie Faye told um, Barbara about uh, Ivy and Little Charles being siblings. I mean, that's a spoiler. This movie's been out forever, so, I you know, we're going to go oh, yeah. spoilers here, but I... I did not reread the play. I said I was going to, but I did not. So I, I was really kind of seeing, I forgot all about it. So I was like, I think I gasped too. I was like, wait, what? Ugh, so it, good. It's
1: such a, yeah. I mean, and you know, it's that. It, that's actually a great example I bring up because I think that was one of the things that, you know, moments like that, revelations like that, I feel like they exist so easily in plays like that's such a thing to happen in a play mm-hmm. and it's. i'm i'm glad it didn't like it read well to you in the movie because there were there were a few moments where i was like oh this feels like a play moment in a movie
0: i see what you're saying it's almost like a soap opera sort of like she's mm-hmm. my evil twin sister <laughs> right right by right, the right. Devil. yeah but it's it's just I mean Margot Martindale, it's just it's just subtle enough too because it comes after that fight too. I mean mm-hmm. maybe too early well, to say it, but Queen Chris Cooper, I'm just so I love that role. I love Charlie Charlie Sr. I guess we'll call him, but um I that's such a great scene and a great moment for him.
1: Well, I I think it's it's certainly not too soon to say the name is Margot Martindale and Chris Cooper because like there is a mix of like great casting and casting that I would maybe cast differently, but the two of them are pitch perfect in this movie and they get it. They are to your point about like the way that Margot Martindale delivers that revelation is so subtle and not soap opera-y that even the way that like they bicker, you know, I remember in the Broadway production Featuring Tony Winner and Rony Roundup, you know, namesake Rondi Reed, I know. Uh, yes. Which I just loved. You know, I remember those. They were, I mean, they were great in it, but I don't remember the same. I don't think they did what Chris Cooper and Margo Martindale did here, where they would kind of start to laugh every once in a while in the middle of their bickering, which I thought was just like the smartest nuance. It just told me so much about their relationship.
0: Yeah. I, I love that. I, I and it's... I remember when, like, Meryl was cast and I was like, this is going to be her third Oscar. There is no question because I just knew the role had that much, like, weight. And I remember, like, it came out and, like, she got nominated and so did Julia. Oh, my gosh, there's so many things I have to say about Julia. I just... I really loved it. um, And I loved her. Uh, but Meryl had this sort of change that, like... Heard the register her, of her voice because of Margot in a way, like I and which is so smart, like it makes so much sense that they're both kind of in the basement because that's where Margot kind of lives. So, because I know, um, oh my gosh, I'm blanking on her name who won the Tony for playing Violet in Deanna the Mar- Dunagan? yes, it mm-hmm. was kind of like this shrill, screechy southern. It was like Trinity Taylor from RuPaul's Drag Race. Yeah, you know what I mean?
1: it, it's like Trinity's like you know chain smoking grandma. Yeah, like it's very, uh, yeah. I mean, Deanna Dunnigan is is so it is so perfect what she did, but I. I hear what you're saying is, like, I'm glad that Meryl brought it down to the basement. I'm glad that they both had this kind of low kind of way of getting into the words sometimes. Maybe that's just a plain like, a plains accent, but I I enjoyed seeing Meryl kind of swoop down sometimes.
0: Yeah, it's... She looks like she... Like, the wig that she wears in this movie was, like, the wig that she wore in Angels in America when she played... It was, like, all of her scenes with Al Pacino. She was the ghost of...
1: Ethel Rosenberg. Yes, yes, yes. It was kind of the same thing at first
0: because she's so like pale at the beginning too. I mean, pretty much Mm -hmm. always. It was. It was interesting. I just had a laugh to myself, you know. But I, there's so much to say about this cast. In fact, I have. I was gonna make more questions, but I didn't have the time to do it. But I have one question, a little trivia for you, Colin. I thought it'd be fun. So, oh, fun! All of these adults, and I'll even put Abigail Breslin in there. Basically, anyone sitting at the dinner table. Basically, Uh the the whole cast, I would say. And I'm going to take Jonna off the table, the character of Jonna played by Misty. Sure. Upham, Upham, we'll say Misty. Um, Yeah, Misty. There are four people in this group, because I was like, wow, what a great group, like Oscar winners and Oscar nominees, Mm -hmm. but there are four people in the bunch that have never been nominated for an Oscar. Can you name them?
1: I believe it is Dermot Mulrooney yes i don't think anyone has given Margot martindale her oscar nomination yet
0: okay i'm not gonna say yes or no but yeah okay. just talk it out
1: uh i'm gonna say julia nicholson obviously julia nicholson a queen an emmy winning oh my queen. god karen um karen uh yeah as oh, no she's ivy julia oh she's ivy she's ivy, yes, she's ivy. Right. sorry um so, okay, so Dermot Mulrooney, I know Juliette Lewis. I think she has been nominated for Cape Fear for that because that would have been my obvious guess. Okay. Uh, I know Chris Cooper won, Julie Roberts, Meryl Streep won, Ewan McGregor. I feel like he hasn't gotten an Oscar nomination. So I'm going to say Dermot Mulrooney, Ewan McGregor, Margot Martindale, and Julianne Nicholson.
0: Ding ding ding! You got
1: Ooh, it! Wow! Oh, that's so rewarding. <laughs> well, and and the opposite side of what you're saying is like all of the uh, you know award nominees and award winners. It's such a stacked cast. Yeah, um, and it's it's almost again it's like a double-edged sword for me because it's like oh my god all these names people we've cleaned out about before like it's just so cool to see julia nicholson and Margot martindale and I julia know. lewis like all of them have been people we've loved and in, in you know uh mayor of east town and yellow jackets uh, yellow jackets and lazy susan you know yeah. um and then you know so just like having all of them in the room but there was also a part of me and maybe this this take a drink every time I say you know that I saw the play is there is an element of this cast that feels like it should be cast with just character actors and I think that's why I like Chris Cooper and Margot Martindale so much because I can see the celebrity in some of the other ones and I'm like oh no you guys I, I I don't know I just need you to look more like real human beings you know
0: Yeah, I think the one that I had the most problem with is Benedict Cumberbatch as Little Charlie. Yeah. Little little Charlie? Or Little...
1: Little Charles. 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 I don't know why I wrote Charlie in my notes. I
0: I think he did the best that he could, but I was just like, I don't think you're Little Charles. I don't think you are.
1: I agree. I... um... You know, because you know what, because I saw you know what, uh, my perception <laughs> of little Charles is based on that casting. And I think it makes sense that, sh- that Charles is kind of a galoot, you know, like like yeah. I'm picturing someone, you know, who would be great in this role? It'd be like an interesting stretch is someone like Jason Siegel.
0: Jason Siegel, Why am I blanking on who that From is?
1: How I Met Your Mother and, oh, and yeah. Knocked Up. Yes, and, yes, yeah. yes. Like,
0: because you need a
1: dope, yeah, more of a, a dope. dope. You need a like a, dope. a natural someone, dope, yeah. And who has a little bit more mass to them? I feel like Benedict Cumberbatch is too wiry. Whereas I would want someone who has like the body type of like, I don't know, uh, bigger than than Jason Siegel. Like Jason Siegel if he gained fifty pounds, you know.
0: Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, I was trying to recast him in my mind, and I I couldn't think of who, who. But maybe I will by the end of the episode. But were there any other people that you were like? Like, who are other examples of, like, that celebrity showing, like, besides Benedict?
1: Well, that's, okay. So I uh, I really, I'm excited. I'm interested to talk about Julia Roberts because I really don't know if I like her in this role. And so I kind of either want you to convince me otherwise or we just sure. see it differently. But, like, I, I mean, Amy, Amy Morton is kind of like Sandy Dennis as Honey. Once you've seen yeah. someone do it, Perfectly, It's like, well, I don't really need to see anyone else ever do this again. And Amy Morton also is so much of a character actress and, yep. and you know, isn't uh, doesn't look like she's on People magazine all the time. And I think the role really requires that. And I felt like Julia Roberts, I was like, I just keep seeing Julia Roberts and I'm really struggling to see who Barbara is. And that was maybe... I thought Meryl was going to be distracting. Well, obviously we'll talk about her, but I actually really wish that it was somebody else in this role. Like Rachel Griffiths, for example, we talked about that of seeing Rachel Griffiths and Juliette Lewis as sisters, you know? Um, So that was maybe the one who stood out the most. Uh, And, you know, I got to just say, uh, Abigail Breslin did nothing in that role. And they, they, should have got somebody else, but uh, <laughs> that's what I've said. But you know what, you know, yeah, yeah, it's it, like, listen, little Miss Sunshine, I think it's sunsetting, honey. Yeah. Uh, but I did read that Chloe Grace Moretz wanted the role, and I was like, oh, we wouldn't even be doing this episode if it was Chloe Grace Moretz. <laughs> yeah, they're like, like on totally the
0: same cloth, it's like that age yeah. group. I, I don't know who else, like. I don't know Dakota Fanning. You know what I mean? We just talked about her. Yeah, last Yeah, we talked about, about her.
1: I, it's interesting. Um, I think you know, and I know that we're um, we're kind of jumping around a lot, but I, I, you know, we'll kind of get back into all yeah. these little. These are just like things we know we want to talk about. One of the things that also jumped out to me was like, oh, I am so ready to see more movies and TV shows that don't have petulant teenage daughters and i know that that's accurate and i know that teenage girls can be moody but like it's not entertaining when it's just like like at the dinner table it's just enough with the enough with the harrum thing you know like (laughs) oh oh my god like (laughs) when
0: julia slapped her you're like get her jade yeah
1: yeah exactly exactly it's like (laughs) get "Get her her." (laughs) hit her again yeah (laughs) well uh I, let's let's formally get into this, because we clearly have a lot yeah, to talk we, about. We're, yes. Let's, let's And a lot of people this, to talk yes. about. So so obviously anybody listening, they already know at this point, 20 minutes in, you know where you are. But if you have not seen the film version of August Osage County, it is available on Showtime. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's where I watched it. I don't know if you would. Wa- oh, it's on Netflix as well. Oh, and it's on Netflix. It is? <laughs> Yeah, t- well, IMDb seems to think she's on Netflix. Yeah. Then let I- me
0: let me double check that because I swear I Google that too and I was like, not on not my Netflix, but let me see. Well, my what Netflix
1: I- is starting to play it right now. Whoops. <gasps> okay. I know. Uh, Unbelievable. Oh, you
0: know what? It has. It doesn't even have a movie cover on my. I'm on my phone. Oh, there it is. Why did I not is see the- that? Oh my god. Yeah. I didn't buy it. I can't remember how I watched it now. I think I watched it on Showtime.
1: Oh, okay. Uh, And uh, speaking of movie covers, I will say that, like, I've I've seen a couple, like, bad, like, DVD covers, but I do appreciate that the main movie cover seems to be the midst of, like, the big family fight with Barbara tackling Violet. Have you seen that one? Yeah, it's great. That cover? Yeah. That's the Netflix cover. I think that's great.
0: Loaded. Yeah, so it's perfect.
1: Because, you know, Netflix is infamous for having god-awful thumbnails, so. um, Yeah, yeah. I'm surprised they it's stick- not
0: like Benedict Cumberbatch and like Julianne Nicholson at the piano. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, right? Like, bizarre. So- like, that doesn't tell us anything.
1: Yeah. It's just like, you know, Jonna eating dinner. Yeah. Like, what does this tell me? Yeah. Jonna in a room. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but anyway, so yeah. So, uh, the movie came out in 2013. All star cast. The overall overarching story is that the Weston family, you know, uh, the, the you know, Beverly and Violet, you know, uh, raise their three daughters out in the plains of Oklahoma and Osage County and the plains being a a state of mind more than a place. And then Beverly disappears and then ultimately turns out he kills himself, which brings all the three daughters home, brings, you know, a bit of a family reunion post-funeral and that of course unearths all sorts of garbage including violets you know crazy pill addiction and secrets you know secret relationship between cousins slash siblings and um and then of course poor karen has just found a dirt bag in florida that she's you know hitched her life to and it all just kind of you know falls apart in the middle of nowhere oklahoma so um -hmm. indeed a. An all-star cast. I mean, maybe that's. Should we? Maybe should we get some of these men out of the way? Should we yeah, just? I was like, going to say, what them? about
0: Sam Shepard? Let's talk. Yeah. Let's start
1: there. Let's talk. Yeah, I think the best way is let's talk. to talk about these these peep. There's so many people. Let's talk about Sam Shepard because he shows up first. He has like two scenes and then, uh hits the skids. And I mean, I thought he was. I thought he was great in that role. I feel like it's such a like in the play, the actor is only in like the first 10 minutes. It's just that one scene and then he's never in it again. So I was like, man, for an actor, this is a great gig. If you don't have to bow at the end, you know? Oh
0: yeah. I don't uh, let it be known. Like I did like Sam Shepard in this role. I felt like, cause normal, like Sam Shepard can always nail that sort of like distant husband. Mm-hmm. But, but I, I found him quite like charming and warm and I was like, but I maybe that's intentional in a way. Like, I, I was like, should this have gone to, like, I was thinking, like, some sort of, like, Albert Finney type, to be honest. Like, some sort of, like, true mm-hmm. Southern patriarchal man that's sort of, like, a big booming voice. But I also maybe would have loved to have seen, like, like, Richard Jenkins in this role. You know what I mean? Because there's, like, I feel mm-hmm. like he has, like, I don't think he himself is a sad person, but, like, he brings a little bit of that, like, I think he could tap into that really easily too. But Sam Shepard was yeah. great. I just he just like looked really handsome and like was really charming. But again, I I do think that was somewhat intentional.
1: Yeah, maybe Sam Shepard's a little too handsome. But I I, I do also <laughs> have that feeling that like Beverly is a a more easygoing kind of calm, yeah, gentle he energy, yeah. and he, he has to be right. And so, um, but Richard Jenkins, oh my God, he would have been great in this role. Uh, and yeah. in a Original the stage version, it was Tracy Letts' father did the the role, Dennis Letts. Yeah, which I think is so cool. Oh, and for the record, Tracy Letts in this role would be great. Uh,
0: Yes, I mean, let's not. I mean, we didn't mention if you don't know already that he wrote the play and he also wrote the screenplay. And we love Tracy Queen Tracy. i
1: Queen Tracy, Queen Tracy Letts, who we we swooned over as the dad and Lady Bird, yeah. Like, let it be known, he wrote the play, he wrote the screenplay, he won the Pulitzer for the play. I, th- I, and and he really does retain, I think, from my memory, a lot of the script for better or for worse, from the yeah. play to the movie.
0: It seemed like it, from yeah. my recollection too. Yeah.
1: Well, why don't we? So Sam Shepard kind of comes and goes. Bev hits the road, but why don't we talk about another, you know, alum of this podcast who we've talked about at least in my best friend's wedding, uh, Dermot Mulrooney as Steve Huberbrecht, uh, Karen's slimy Ferrari driving, uh, fiance from Florida. Yeah. I mean,
0: I think Karen and Steve are so interesting because I think there could have been a world where they could have been cut from this play entirely so i'm interested like why do you think they exist in the play you know and besides just having another sibling like that's the question i would ask tracy let
1: mm yeah like what are they contributing other than just like additional conflicts and narratives because karen is um i like the character because i like the idea that karen the youngest's daughter is obviously not her mother's favorite and yes. um you know she violet basically admits to that and i like the idea of like that character being present as a narrative like i liked watching juliet lewis be this adult who is still trying to find validation and still trying to find somebody who's going to like guide her life you know what i mean mm-hmm. um and and in terms of steve i mean you know, yeah, he's like a, you know, he's like a slime bag. And and at one point, he, you know, he's obviously hitting on uh, what's her snakes? Um, Jean. Jean, hitting mm-hmm. on Gene, And in, I mean, yeah, even in the play, like, it's not like the role is that much more expanded. That's really all they offer. And uh, yeah, I would say that it's probably the, they're probably the least kind of, relevant to the action characters they're they're very much more the ensemble and so um yeah i mean i could see a world where yeah if they wanted to do the like august osage county jr version they could cut these characters <laughs> yes
0: i feel like this could have been like timothy Olyphant in a way or like um oh, like a bobby cannavale or something like yes that. you know what i mean someone a little bit more greasy
1: I couldn't remember that it was Dermot Mulroney until they showed him close up. Be- and when it first started, I was like, oh, is it? I'm assuming, I bet it's Thomas Hayden Church. Do you know who I'm talking about? Yes, of
0: course. Yeah. Right? I totally this, see that. Yes. It's
1: such a Thomas Hayden Church it kind of role. Is. that I was like, oh, Dermot Mulroney. Okay. Yeah. He's fine in it. He doesn't get, like, much to do. I like Dermot Mulroney. I think he is a James Marsden-level actor. I'm happy to see him all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Small role, but you know, small role. Yeah, is. small role. Obviously. Well, you know, I would say speaking of uh, a role that I I thought he didn't really get to do much either was you and McGregor as Bill Barbara's husband, her distant husband. They get a couple of fights, but I didn't I didn't feel like Bill really got a moment. Yeah, and maybe that's intentional because
0: Barbara, you know, she wears the pants, you know, and the shirt mm-hmm. and shoes and everything else too. I um I just. Felt him fighting his accent a lot, yeah, as well. Totally. And I can't imagine what that's like. Like it would be like me trying to do his accent too. But like at the same time, if you're gonna be in a movie of this caliber, I'm just surprised that the dialect work wasn't. And and like to be clear, like it was just like little words, like Nicole Kidman. You know, sometimes it just slips out, and mm-hmm. um and the, I, you know, eventually you just gotta say cut. We got it. But I. Yeah. I, I, I don't know who I would have cast in this role as Bill. I think it's like a hard one to cast because it's, you know, he's, it's like the cheating husband, but he's still like really handsome. And, um, you know, sort of like that he's able to fire back at Barbara, but he's also like, as far as like their parenting style, you know what I mean? Like he's sort of, the more submissive one or, like, the one that will maybe cave in or or give in to Gene. And, you know, they end up leaving together, which is probably why that's in my head.
1: Yeah, and and I think this might be another one where, like, casting a movie star, like, I'm kind of seeing it, and I'm also like, well, why did you... Why was it necessary to cast two British actors in a movie about a very American family? Like, yeah. That... Like, why should we even have to worry about, like, oh, the accent? It's like, well... You know, Margot's over there doing this role in her sleep, and, like, Ewan's just, like, trying to phonetically say things with a Plains accent. Like, it's just—this was definitely where, like, a a certain type of character actor casting would be interesting to kind of capture that this is somebody who is uh, still—has been and and is still in some ways being browbeaten by Barbara and— kind of bears that but is also as she says like going through this like fifth puberty where he's you know he's also you know betting younger women and so there's there's kind of an interesting mix to play there that someone like Ewan McGregor could play because he's good looking but I kind of just kept seeing like a good looking guy with a weird accent and yeah uh, yeah, it was um for basically he's the reason we're doing this episode this week because of the tangent from Big I know. Fish. It's it you know it, he plays a much smaller role in this discussion.
0: Again, yeah, I feel like they could have used someone with uh, with a little bit more grit or someone who's a little bit like. I I just feel like Ewan McGregor's a good guy, and he's like mm-hmm. the, even the way that like maybe I don't know what like maybe did he have facial hair or not? Like, he just looked like a, I mean, he's a college professor, right? I think. And he yeah, like I think he's one. a college professor. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. But, again, I don't know who I'd cast as him, but like someone, you know, Thomas Hayden Church, throw him in there again.
1: Yeah. Double role. Someone, someone who looks older. He also just has such a baby face. I mean, like his IMDB picture, it needs to be said, is like, Top class, like that. I gotta Ooh, say, oh, I'm excited. Oh, I, I can't believe you don't have it printed on a sheet cake. I mean, <laughs> you, you love Ewan McGregor. Did
0: you say a sheet cake?
1: Yes, I said it. A sheet cake. You know they can like screen print a picture onto a cake. Yeah,
0: I mean, I would love that. Yes. Okay, Ewan. Mm. Oh yeah, he looks great.
1: Oh, it's that little smile. He looks great. We've talked a bit about Chris Cooper, but I I think it's worth circling back to him because I really think he is. I think it's one of the best performances in the movie. I think he's. It, for sure. He just – he looks the part – actually, this is a perfect digression because whereas and McGregor, I'm like, oh, man, look at that. Look at that pretty little face. Chris Cooper, I'm like, oh, no, this guy looks like – <laughs> this guy looks like his name's Charlie Aiken and he lives on the plains.
0: <laughs> yes. And is married to Margot Martindale, yeah. And is
1: married to Maddie Faye for 38 years. Like, it just – he wears it on his face. And I think that's what so many of these, these actors and these characters needed was that, like, they have all – not just Violet and Beverly and, and even Maddie Faye, like they've all lived hard lives and, and whether it's the hard lives they lived at home or the, or the hard lives they're living, trying to run away from their past or just like the dysfunction in their current life. Like, I, I just think this is a great example of someone where you're like, Oh, I can see. Um, and I mean, I can say the same, not to jump ahead but about Julia Nicholson where I was like, Oh, I can see the way this life has worn you down.
0: Yes. And there is like a moment when um when Charlie Charles picks up like little Charles at like the train yep. station or wherever. I'm like, "Okay, I can kind of see the family resemblance here because Benedict Cumberbatch has a weird face." You know what I mean? It kind yeah. of works. But like in the revival of, you know, August Osage County, I feel like it would be like Paul Dano from Little Miss Sunshine playing Ooh. Little Charles, You know what I mean? Something oh, that'd like be interesting. that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Going back to Chris Cooper, yeah, it it just makes it more believable. Yeah, it's like I don't I don't want to see the Hollywood
1: at all, mm-hmm, right? At all. Right, and yeah, I mean, and the 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 scenes between Maddie Faye and Charlie, I I love in the beginning. The, actually, really, my probably my, some of my favorite scenes in the movie are when Charlie and Maddie Faye get to the house after Beverly disappears, and like she shows up with that shopping bag or whatnot, and like a bunt cake and like whatever it was, like. It is. It is the moment I would rewatch in this movie, and it's such a minor moment, but it's when they first arrive at the house, and and he the the shot is first on like him like looking at the house, and then she comes around the car in her sunglasses, carrying the shopping bag and the cake, and she's got her pocketbook, and there's just this. It is. It's such a great example of knowing exactly who somebody is the moment they show up on screen. It's. Mm-hmm absolutely perfect honestly like Margot Martindale gets the BSA hands down because like I knew who Maddie Faye was the moment I saw that bun cake
0: <laughs> yes yes even the way she like greets everyone but we'll get into that when we talk about Margot more in detail but I do my favorite scene of Margot, or excuse me Maddie Faye and Charles is like when he's like you're drinking straight whiskey and she's like just have a little class like it's almost like a right. scolding but it's so funny between them two yes i i don't need to see them arguing or like to your point too like if they do argue they they found a way to to diffuse it over the years it's just their love language in a way and i love that
1: mm-hmm yeah yeah she's like have a little class i'm having a cocktail <laughs> and then just she starts to laugh have a class. just have a little class like oh god oh anyway i can't wait to talk about marco well, we've we've talked about the men. I don't really want to say anything else about Al Breslin, if we to be honest. I I, yeah. I, I, and I'll tell you this: in the play, in the Broadway production, the actress was terrible as well. This role is not—it's a—it's a weak point even in the script. I think this role is very broadly written, and like, I don't know it—it there—it just doesn't—I don't know—it's never worked for me. But I think she could like,
0: cut it. Cut Karen, yeah. cut Steve, because besides like the fear conversation at dinner, besides the the pot smoking in the backyard, which is a Steve scene anyway, like leave her at right. home and talk about her, but don't show her.
1: Yeah, I, I really I don't think she ultimately adds as much as. I would want that character to, or where there might be an opportunity to. So, and just thinking um, about her
0: at that dinner table and like having to listen to all that stuff, like even as a teenager, like it's not a place, it's not a house for kids. <laughs> like this is not a play for children.
1: R- right, right, yeah, yeah. Leave your jeans at home, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, let's talk about someone who is a a firm yes, and and more so now that I've seen her. Uh, as Laurie of Easttown, but Julianne Nicholson mm. as Ivy, the middle daughter, uh, the sister who stays home.
0: Oh my gosh, yes. The, the epitome of.
1: Truly. I mean, I really think she's probably the queen of sisters who stay home because it's like, compared to like my impression of seeing the character originally in the play and then seeing the movie the first time, this was like the biggest change in terms of like an appreciation of ivy i think i used to think this character was kind of like drab but i actually think it's a really like maybe it's just julia nicholson's performance i think it's a really fascinating character
0: i think she might be my favorite she might be my bsa the movie and i really think it's like a lot of it is because of mayor of east town and because of the control that she has because she's had to just She's, like, completely dead inside. And the idea of her having to keep her and little Charles, like, under wraps, like, just that added layer of it. And, mm-hmm. like you said, it's like she's beaten down. I love her hair. I love, like, I love how many freckles she has. And she gets, like, a great moment at the end when everyone else is left. And you think that maybe Karen, or Karen, I keep calling her Karen, Ivy, you know, maybe in another version of the script, like, left with... um little charles or something earlier or something or she just went home and it was just barbara and her at the end so i'm just so glad she was a part of that last scene i loved her in this role
1: yeah that's right i i really like that she got to be part of that scene and like because you know the the whole narrative of like you know ivy and little charles are going to go off to new york together and i'm and like even barbara says what are you two going to do in new york and like what are they going to, where are they going to live? Like, even money aside, because sure, maybe Ivy's been socking away money, but, like, what, are you going to move to Bushwick? Where are you going to go, Ivy and, and little Charles? Like, are you going to get a loft in Tribeca and, like, you know, go, go to WeWork? Like, it's just, <laughs> it's such a culture shift that, like, I can't imagine, and I like that, the idea that, like, Instead of it being like, oh, we're going to go to Tulsa or we're going to go to Chicago or we're going to yeah. go to Houston or, or Dallas or something that's like might, you know, contextually make sense that it's like a big city that's not as far away and, and maybe a common place that other people might go to. The idea of someone going from the plains of Oklahoma to New York, Oof. you know, with their half brother, you know, fake cousin and starting a life there is just they're so doomed, and I love the idea that also like these are not kids, and they like, you know, in their late teens. These are adults in their forties. You know, like that's so sad that there's like this, that that's that, that they're at this like let's run away to New York together. It's like you're forty six. Like Barbara says to her, like you're almost fifty. What are you doing? Like you're not gonna be able to make it through New York. You know,
0: you'll break a hip. That's <laughs> one of my favorite lines. She's... Yeah. <laughs> Agreed. I think it's so perfect that it is New York City because it is. It just adds to the delusion of them being together and going to a place that does not make sense. It is not a lateral move. It is like trying to climb a ladder without any. What is it? Rungs? Rings? What am I? What am rungs? To say? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They don't got um, rings.
1: They don't got rungs. They don't have <laughs> rings. They got nothing.
0: Yeah. I. But I. I love that, and I love. I love that she never really until the end goes above, like, a volume level of, like, a four. Like, she's Mm -hmm. just kind of, I want to know everything about her. I want to know more. But, like, we also, like, she's telling us that, too. It's like, she, but by knowing that she's the daughter that stayed home. But she's also the daughter that stayed home that wants to leave. But at the end, we don't know what she's going to do. We just know that she had to leave the house. And I love her last line of like, um, well, mom told you that and not me. And she's like, what's the difference? And I love right. that, she got that line or there's no difference.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There's no difference. Like it's such a good line. And I just love that. We got more of Julian Nicholson crying in a car. Oh, you know, yeah. my little Charles. I know. <laughs> my Ryan. <laughs> so good. Yes. I, uh, I just love
0: her. I, I love her.
1: I think that's like the performance I've, I love, or the character slash performance I love more than I realized or that I did before. I have a greater appreciation for. It, but like, it's very possible that a lot of this is that like I'm just I, I have so much residual love for Julia Nicholson from *Merriville's Town*. I know like, it's hard to she, set that aside. Yeah, yeah, but she's a great actress. I I think no, she she deserves the roses. So
0: yeah, as opposed to like, um. And maybe I know we already talked about her but maybe is uh, were you going to bring up Juliet Lewis again? I don't know where we I think
1: that's go. a perfect time to talk about Juliet Lewis.
0: She has like Amy Adams energy in June Bug. You know what I mean? That sort of Ooh, like yeah. sing-songy sort of she's engaged but no one gives a shit and she's so far removed from everything but she tr- you know she even says like, "Well, I feel close to all of you." And it's just like you don't fit in this puzzle at all. Darling, you mm-hmm. <laughs> know it's just it's just not a not a match. But I love watching and, that. Yeah. So maybe that's the reason, you know, that Karen's there.
1: Right, right. It's to really almost like show like the full depth of the of the dynamics in this family. Mm-hmm. And and I mean, you know, I love kind of her introduction in in, in the play, the whole monologue of her talking about Steve and the fantasy of Belize and all that, like all of that was when she and Barbara were like in the play, it's while they're like setting the table for, for dinner. Um, And so it just like moves in a really interesting way, like watching her kind of like the choreography of placing the plate down while she's telling the story and kind of, you know how all of that worked uh, I really liked, but I think they expanded it well here by having it kind of, having her just blab on from like the funeral through the car ride home back to the house. I thought it worked really well. uh, Opening it up in a movie.
0: Yeah. And that Barbara has the patience to kind of like listen to her instead of just saying like, Mm -hmm. shut up, which I thought like, which I kind of wanted her to do in a way because she's just like, yeah, it's like diarrhea of the mouth and, and no one is registering any of it. She's just kind of on the outside.
1: Yeah, and I guess it's also like it's it's annoying, but she's also like so harmless, you know. Like she yeah. clearly like it it it'd be like you know yelling at a puppy. And I think, uh, I think she has a lot of really interesting moments that I I did not expect. I think there's, um, it's in the smaller moments and some of the smaller reactions. Like sometimes you kind of see the hurt on her face, like at dinner in particular the scene where violet's going off on the you know the where's the beef commercial and going where's the meat and then you know karen says oh it's where's the beef and then violet just yells back at her where's the meat where's the meat where's the meat and it's Mm -hmm. like it's such a fucked up moment but i love like the look on juliette lewis's face because it's it's the weirdest little rejection it's like she's right karen is right it's where's the beef but instead of like having that moment with her mother like even if violet knows she's right and she probably does know that karen's right she's not going to give it to her you know
0: yeah and and i think and i mean the the, the obvious or not it's not, not not so obvious but the the moment where you know you kind of see the whatever character karen is like trying to play in this family just sort of fizzle away is after the pot smoking thing, you know, it's like, the, mm-hmm. the, I don't need a speech right now, Barbara, like monologue of her packing right. and just kind of, you know, that's the closest to like a Weston that we've seen, like the Weston-like qualities, you know, like of her just kind of like, I don't know, because I, when I say Weston-like, it's sort of like the seeing the reality of the world and just being a little bit bitter about everything. And, you know, like, I get it. I know that he's a deadbeat, but you know what? I'm going to be married and I'm going to be in Belize. And she kind of gets like choked up. and But she knows it's kind of doomed. And she knows that Steve is trash too.
1: Well, that's what I love about this scene is where you really do recognize that Karen knows what she's signed up for. And she says, like, I've done some things in the past that I'm not proud of. And I'm oh, going to yeah. have to do some more things I'm not proud of. And that includes like looking, you know, looking past this. Because yeah, Karen's in her 40s as well. Mm-hmm. She's obviously like desperate to have the... The fantasy and and to go to Belize and and to whatever extent Steve is providing this. I love that we don't even know what Steve's job is and the way that she talks about it is in the way that he's talked about it to her of like, well, you know, Steve's got a meeting with these government guys that might be really great for his business. And it's like that's the kind of vague talk that like a slimy person gives you that to kind of throw you off the scent like he's got either nothing going on or something fucked up you know he tells bill earlier about how he like keeps the accounts offshore until they get a you know to to get around approvals like i don't know what any of this is and it's kind of like um in Hitchcock movies, there was this device called the MacGuffin and it's kind of like a briefcase with a file in it that that's, what's kicked off this like dramatic chase. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You never find out what the file really is or what's in the file. And it never really matters because it's just the point that like, it's a top secret file. And so in the same way, Steve's job is like a MacGuffin. Like we don't really need to know what it is. We just know that like, it's something, you know, shady and it tells us a lot of like who sh- who Steve is, you know.
0: Yeah, and even in the movie, which is something they can never do on stage, like the fact that he drives that like, I don't know what kind of car it is, but we'll say a convertible. Um, and he's the one that sort of mm-hmm. speeds up and passes uh, Barbara and her family. and it, that tells me everything I need to know. He's just like some like fast wheeling sort of idiot. <laughs>
1: yeah in a red ferrari which is like to me is almost like maybe at one like would i sneeze at a red ferrari like i'll take the cash but like obviously it's a nice car but it's such a like it's such a quintessential like stereotypical like rich you know rich successful guy yeah i got myself a red ferrari it's like oh god all right like yeah you know there's just again it tells you so much about somebody and and that Karen has really had to kind of put the blinders on for that. And um, yeah, I, I, you know, I'm glad Juliette Lewis got this role. I was happy to see her in the role. Of I course. did read that it was originally there was an offer to Renee Zellweger.
0: Oh, um yeah. no. I don't need to see it. Yeah.
1: That'd just be like a, a, a fine no there. Yeah. Um, you know, as we're you know, you're saying kind of like about the like the Weston kind of point of view, of like that sort of cynical, worn down point of view. I mean it and maybe this is like the perfect segue to Maddie Faye, because like it's I it, it's not until this moment that I'm realizing where's Celia? I know, I know. where's Celia to play a Weston. The Westons, the Westons. <laughs> That's our award show. I know. That we do well n- coming October twice two times or once a year. You know, we've done twice. Yes. Um but we've done it once and so it didn't occur to me until right this moment that like the last name Weston is very important to us and um that's, the, that's her last name. So I guess it's very important that Tracy... Tracy Letts listens to this podcast. That's right. And clearly to. named the family after our fake <laughs> award show that we did last year. <laughs> so... Do you think uh, Celia
0: is more of a, a Violet or a Maddie Faye? Like, I I picture oh, a little bit... I would love to see her as Violet. I feel like it's so pretty, I mean, but she's so Maddie Faye at the same time.
1: I know. I mean, she's so Maddie Faye, but, like, the idea of her playing Violet is so exciting. But yeah. short of, you know, Rondi Reed, I would say Margot Martindale is pretty much perfect casting as Maddie Faye.
0: Yeah, I feel like in my mind, and I don't know the year she won her Emmy for Justified, but I feel like she was on a roll. Like, it was like, you know, the early, you know, this is 2013. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like she was just kind of in the right place at the right time. But there really isn't anyone else. Like you said, like, I, I don't know who it could have been. And I'm so glad it was her.
1: Yeah, like I don't even want Ann Dowd to do it. You know what I mean? I was thinking like, that the, like, just
0: now. Yes, yes. Yeah,
1: it's like, oh, no, I don't need Ann Dowd to do this. I I need it to be Margot Martindale. I don't want it to be, yeah, anybody else. I'm looking at her kind of where, um, wait a minute. Is Margot Martindale is in one episode of Smash?
0: <sighs> yeah, I feel like she's some sort of like rich investor lady to my I think I can't remember yeah. you think I would well, know but uh, I well
1: I guess we'll, we'll little find egg out for later. Yeah, yeah, yeah we'll find out but yeah there was that era where like Margot Martindale's career like took off and like all of a sudden she was playing like the moms and the grandmas and like you know uh it wasn't just Mrs. Latch in the hours yes. and I think 2013 like she had fully hit her stride I think justified came out in 2011 so she probably right around now yeah you know, that adds right up yeah now. yeah um oh god she was in this 34 episodes of the show the millers that of course i didn't watch oh god but yeah you, yeah and like is that will
0: arnett
1: <clears throat> yes will arnett it, and the cover is like will arnett in the shower and Margot martindale's brushing her teeth and one of Bo the. Bo Bridges or someone? Bo, is it is Bo it? Bridges? It is. I feel like it is. Th- yeah, it's fucking Bo Bridges on the toilet. Like, this family is my fucking nightmare. Oh my God. It's Will Arnett and Bo Bridges on the toilet. I don't like this family. I do not want to see the Millers. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, i sign you an episode next week. S- oh, God. Yeah, I hope a dog gets killed in that, too. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, sorry, a deep cut for the after show. Uh, A deep cut for anyone who's ever seen The Leftovers. Right?
0: That's Um, such a CBS type of show, though. That's what, like, makes me so angry. I'm like, they're fucking with you. Like, all the boomers that... I think of this sometimes. Like, are we going to like shows like that when we're older? Will we still have taste? Oh,
1: wow. (laughs) That's That's a really scary question. Will we still... Will we... Or what will be, or what is our our generation's CBS comedy that, like, yes. we don't see the the we don't see we're being pandered to. It's probably something on TikTok, you know.
0: Yeah, it's like any CBS show. Like, I can I can just like make like the components of a CBS show are just like it's it's like choose your own adventure, but like there are very specific parts. You know, you get Tim Allen yeah. in there. You get like mm-hmm. a hot wife. You get like a, a suffering wife, yeah. Yeah, the next door neighbor, you know. It's like for some reason it works for like oh, I don't know what channel was everybody loves Raymond on like NBC or ABC. Like that I feel is like an elevated yeah. CBS show that just like God, worked.
1: I'm like, everybody loves it. I think that was CBS. Everybody was loves it? Raymond. Oh, I think God. so. Um You know what I want? I wonder if like tiktok dance challenges are like this like generation cbs comedy because like everybody blindly love like a, a large percentage of people blindly love them and participate with them and like Even the dumb ones. You know what I mean? Like, why are we doing the dumb ones? Like, why are we... Like, you know what I mean? Like, I understand that some of them are fun. But why are we letting the dumb ones persist? And I think that's what CBS comedies are. It's like, well, I'm sure there's one or two Everybody Loves Raymond's. I bet Mom had a couple good episodes. But why are we letting this persist? You know? Why are the Millers, you know? Yeah,
0: enough cop shows, too. Jesus.
1: Yeah, enough cop shows. Which, you know, I was... Speaking of which, I was like, "What? what? what is Amy Morton doing if she's not being cast in this movie? But she is sticking in Chicago and doing, like, 135-something episodes of Chicago PD and was on Chicago Fire. Like, she's got she, – I feel like Amy Morton has found this, like, perfect career where she's, like, making television, but she still gets to be home in Chicago. And she's, like, on a long-running TV show. I feel like Amy Morton's That's cool. got to figured it out, you know? Um, I will say I, I looked
0: up – Oh, go ahead. Sorry.
1: Oh, I said, but I would have left her as Barbara, but go ahead.
0: Of course. Um Everybody Loves Raymond was on CBS. Isn't that nuts? Jesus Christ. You and know? I also, like, it, like medical dramas, police shows, slash fire, fire department shows. Like, I don't mind them. Like, they're like, I just feel like it's so saturated though. It's like, what's the mm-hmm. point? What why are you stuffing this down our throats? Because a new one comes out, like Every two years, hoping to be the next Grey's Anatomy or ER or you know anything like that, and again, maybe there are a couple good episodes and people like them. It is like that sort of fifty-five and up crowd that really—I don't know what's going to become of us, Colin.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I because you know it's like there are those shows where it'll be like like something like yeah, Chicago PD. I'm like. Oh, is that a thing? Oh, it must be because it's been running for years. People must be watching it. I don't know anybody who's watching it. I don't like, but it, there are so many shows like that. I feel like there's so many like shows on Fox, you know, that are like, I'm like, oh, I've never even heard of that. But if it's been going for three seasons, there must be people out there that are like, yeah, I love New Amsterdam, you know, Blue Bloods. Or that, yeah. Blue Bloods. Yeah. Like, oh, I love that show. Blue Bloods. <laughs> and it's like, who. How did it find you? You know, why do you keep yeah. going back? But you know, and and like I'm no one to judge. Like with all the fucking housewives, like sure, yeah, we all that. Like, also I,
0: have equivalents. Yeah,
1: totally. It's just it's like, um yeah, it's just. I guess maybe that is. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe the Real Housewives is our CBS comedy. It's garbage. Other people can't understand what we see in it, but we keep showing up for it.
0: Yep. That we do, and we keep showing up for Margot. God bless.
1: And me. for Margot, Margot, a a long standing uh, alum of this podcast from Lazy Susan, from the Margot Martindale and Dowd in conversation, even yes. oh, a whole <laughs> episode on an article from Vulture. Uh, yeah, I have we. Has, is there anything else we've talked about her in? I feel uh, like that's crazy that yeah, that would the hours, be hours, which is like not the really hours. Anything. You know, it's mm-hmm.
0: uh, God. I feel like we're missing a big one, but I, I don't think so. so excuse me
1: well you know i i i remember the movie oh well there was that movie shoot the rooster that turned into family squares i was just thinking that about was, that movie yesterday yes mm-hmm. yes and it it's awful it it's god awful like it's such a shame to have that such a great cast and it be so terrible so that was you know unfortunate she was also in mrs america she was in mrs america she was in uncle frank uh, she was great as the mom uncle frank's a good movie that that's uh-huh. worth a watch uh she has there's like it's a good movie with an amazing scene at the end that she's in that i think is worth it
0: all right so, love that
1: I love do with that scene. what you will she she is in the millers i know uh that that <laughs> might be worth mentioning she is in the millers apparently does not mind being in the bathroom brushing her teeth while Bo bridges you know poops but uh (laughs) i mind uh so we won't be watching that
0: i think the plot for that show is that they move in with will arnett right like i think like he yeah unexpectedly that the parents move in with him i don't think he moves in with the parents or maybe he does something like that
1: i don't know it's one of the others but they're all in the same house together um i feel like you've talked about the movie the savages which she's in yeah i
0: can't I, I I love The Savages. I think about that movie often. Um, and Philip Bosco is in that movie. That yeah. I might like assign that to you one day because he's so good in it. The one line that I always No, I'll save it. I'll save it because I I, okay. I need you to just see it live. But I feel like she's some sort of like nurse or like someone who has she's holding a clipboard in my mind, you know? She's okay. she's no, she's no yeah. one of note
1: well if that if that's your potential future uh Margo assignment to me my like uh, um, i think we did an already right puts episode on it but i would do i would do a minute by minute podcast on the movie 28 days with sandra bullock
0: i've never seen it ever because i always oh. think it's the
1: zombie movie which it's not <laughs> <laughs> it's so good i love 28 days oh my god it, it has one of my favorite movie endings. I love the ending. It has Elizabeth Perkins as her sister. There's a... Oh, we're going to do 28 Days at some point. It's got so much actressing in it. And Margot Martindale's in it as a nurse. And Diane Ladd is in it. More okay. Jordan's mother, you know, yes, I mean... Yes, Oh, Oh, uh, 28 Days. Oh, v- Viggo Mortensen. You love <gasps> Viggo Mortensen. <sighs> oh. <sighs> Newly, <laughs> new crush... Aragorn himself, y'all. Yeah, Aragorn's in it. So, all right. So, folks, be prepared that at some point we are definitely going wow. to do 28 Days because it's it's such a good movie. Oh, my God.
0: You <laughs> should do it in February. 28 Days. Waka Waka. Oh, my... hey. Just Get like... off
1: this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's too far of a wait,
0: though. I don't think I could wait that long. Yeah.
1: I don't think I could wait that long either. Yeah. So, at some point, we'll, we'll you know, put that on the list. There was something else I just saw that – oh, Apparently, she popped up in the movie Practical Magic, which we did on All Right Mary at one point. Mm. Which I'm not dying to do again. I think but I've it never was a seen a movie. Yeah, yeah, you know. Um, I think we were doing a whole like run of like Sandra Bullock movies and that, I love or, that. or it was a, yes. or it was a, you know, All Right Scary or whatever. But, uh, speaking of of Sandra Bullock movies, you know what else you should see? The Net. Have you seen The Net? I have seen The Net. Keon made me watch ah!
0: it. Like, uh, I feel. Cause I I thought I I thought I told you as well, but I, I maybe just you know who knows what we talk about on this podcast. But it was a while ago. I feel like it was at least six months to a year ago, and I loved it. It was so good.
1: It's <laughs> so good. I was gonna say you and Keon should watch it. He would love it. But like yeah, yeah it's, no, it's it's and in in his Sandra wheelhouse. Bullock. Yeah, I was gonna say it's so in his wheelhouse, and she's great in it. So like it's like a you know kind of a dude action movie with actressing. It really is perfect. Yes. Um, but Margot Martindale is not in the net. She is in August Osage County. She is I, I also think, I mean, what I, I love that this role won a Tony for Rondi Reed. I love yes. that in some ways, this is a, I think the the impact, the size, the how often she shows up, the function that she gets that make that monologue at the end. I think there's so many ways that Maddie Faye is kind of like on the nose, a best supporting actress style role whether or not she's your bsa in the movie i feel like that this kind of role is like this is exactly what i mean when i say best supporting actress you know
0: absolutely and i I think there's for the tonys i feel like they got it right because for the oscars they put julia in supporting which maybe in some world i could i can see but like for the tonys it was amy morton against deanna dunnigan and yeah Unfortunately, Deanna Dunnigan won. It's, it's so hard. It's like when like Matthew Broderick and Nathan Lane were up against each other for the producers. You know, it's like they're both mm-hmm. the leads. And, you know, Deanna Dunnigan's speech is great, too. She says, like, Amy Morton, Amy Morton, Amy Morton. She says it, like, three times, and, like, you know, they pan out to Amy, and she's like... Oh. It's, it's really sweet. But, um, yeah, I honestly, it's, this would have been... I would have loved if, like, you know, Margot was on that
1: list of Oscar nominees for this. Why not? I, yeah, that would have been uh, very rewarding. But alas, you know, uh, one day, Margot Martindale, like that to me, like, again, never got, has never gotten an Oscar nomination. I feel like that's going to be a moment at the Oscars where everybody stands and applauds and it's a big moment. You know, oh, the day yeah. that Margot Martindale finally gets her Oscar.
0: I would love to do an episode, and maybe it's like a five to one countdown, just really predicting who who has an oscar left and like in them someday you know what i mean this, besides mm. glenn besides amy adams like i want to hear about the Margot martindales i want to hear about like uh you know the the rachel mcadams you know what i mean that like mm-hmm. it's like I, I like it's almost like a comeback or who because like the perfect example is alice and janney like no one could have predicted she was going to win an oscar like 10 years ago but it makes perfect sense like, why not? Right,
1: right. And, like, there is that kind of that, you know, not maybe not a formula, but the idea of a, of an actress who has been working for a while and has been kind of, like... I I think that's, you know, when, like, Sandra Bullock or even Julia Roberts won their Oscars. they're Part of that is the career Oscar of, like, you've yeah. been doing this for so long, and this feels like the closest you're going to get to winning it, you know? And so, like, let's finally honor you. And, of course, you know, especially in the case of Sandra Bullock, it's like, you guys had so many other performances that were
0: gravity. N- yes.
1: Gravity. It, that's the first one that comes to mind. Gravity. It had so many other performances to give her an Oscar for. And I don't know if the blind side Oof. was it. I would but, have rather have uh, seen
0: her one for Miss Congeniality, to be honest.
1: R- right. <laughs> I mean, you know, or, or maybe there's, you know, not that one. Oh God. That did you watch that movie that came out on Netflix? Like maybe last year called unbelievable that she was in with Viola Davis. Do you remember I remember this? coming
0: out. Did you watch it? Someone watched it that I know knew.
1: I watched it, and I remember like the there was like the trailer for it, and I remember the like the the really best supporting podcast baiting scene of like Viola Davis yelling at her on the front yeah. lawn, yes, like, yes, yes, yes. you don't get to say that whatever. And I was like, oh man, this is gonna be so good. They're, they're fight yelling at each other, and I, you know what? It wasn't like an awful movie. It was it was kind of it was fine, but I. I felt like I was turned against myself in a way because Viola Davis's character has like nothing to do. She's like the wife of somebody. Like she's Ah. just not an essential character and they like are really forcing her character into the story. And so when that scene happens, it's like, why are you yelling? What are you oh. yelling about? Like, it, it's not the same as like you know. Uh, I I stood in the same spot with you, you know, Troy. Like, it's not the it's not the fences monologue. You know, sure, there's yeah. no there's no history to it. She's just this woman. You know, hmm. I don't even know how we got on to that, but uh, we're talking uh, about
0: future Oscar winners. And future
1: Oscar winners. Yeah, <laughs> Well, here's a maybe. This is a, a nice transition to to Julia Roberts. Do you think that Julia Roberts has another Oscar in her?
0: I don't know. It's like I kind of group like Sandra Bullock and Julia Roberts in the same category of actresses who have been. I mean, she's. I guess Julia has been around a little longer than Sandy, but I I think.
1: I think, I think actually I, their, their careers are about the same. I feel yeah. like they both kind of popped up like the late 80s and, and then kind of had star-making roles in like the early you know 90s. I mean, obviously, her Julie Roberts' roles were star-making earlier than Sandra Bullock's, but I feel like they both were on the scene around the same time.
0: I think she could. I think she's been away long enough. And like by away, I mean, I just can't remember the last movie that I've seen her in or that she was a part of that was like a huge cultural moment. And mm-hmm. I would love to see her get like a, a best supporting actress. I feel like it would have to be that. I would love to see that category. That's another like subset of this like episode we're we're crafting here. Is like who has another Oscar in them? Um, I
1: love this. Uh, I could talk about this all day, but maybe yeah. What do you think? Yeah. Um, I I love the idea of it being a best supporting actress role. Like I feel like Julia uh Julia Roberts, I feel like she's like she's still like she's always working like she's in stuff she's always got stuff going on like she's in this this mini series now Gaslit. like she's i don't feel like she's you know short on work but it it's like it's like Dermot Mulroney and 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 James Marsden it's like oh yeah well you're working you're not chasing awards you're just consistently working yeah. and i would say like you know that's probably the more successful career anyway is when you're um i, I This reminds me of, um, do you listen to Ebony and Irony with Monet and Lady Bunny at all? I've
0: listened to a couple episodes. I feel they're a strange pairing, but I didn't really give it a proper chance. So go on. Yeah.
1: It's, It's worth it for Lady Bunny. I think. Yeah. I mean, she's incredible. But they were talking about like Monet being on tour and like. You know, Bunny was saying that, like, it's when you start doing the smaller cities and like the quote unquote B cities when it's not just L.A., Chicago, New York, Miami. But like when you're doing, you know, Boise, when you're in Tulsa, when you're in like city Indianapolis, maybe And I'm not trying to shoot anyone's city down, but like it's not the 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 big major ones that you're always hearing bands and, and queens and anything being on tour going to. Um Bunny was like, once you're doing those cities, then you're successful. Like once you can, once you're booking those gigs, that's actually where the success is because like there's a consistency there. There's a, there's a demand for you, even in places that don't have such a concentration of maybe your target audience. And so
0: that's interesting. Yeah. I, right.
1: And I was like, cause normally you think like, Oh, playing a smaller city, it's like, Oh man, that must feel like a step down. But it's like, those those people paying those tickets, their money's just as good as somebody in in Miami, you know what I mean like yeah uh, so I I think of that the same way of like actors who are just consistently working they're not in projects that are or, or movies that are kind of jumping out as awards bait or critically acclaimed or going viral for one reason or the other. It's like well, that's really nice to go viral but like wouldn't it be better to just like consistently make a shit ton of money and never like, Star for work you know yeah it's true
0: I mean maybe that's not what Julia maybe that's what Julia is doing right now you know because I remember being or uh, I'm like I remember interviewing her on the red carpet I remember she was being interviewed on the red carpet and you know she kind of has there's always that switch you know when you're like a young actress or actor in Hollywood there's like that excitement and you know it's just like doughy eyed sort of vibe i guess but like once you once you you get to where julia roberts is or sandra bullock or like you know they kind of calm down a little bit but they they're not taking themselves too seriously at the same time too but she did say like they said like can you believe you're nominated again after all these years and she was just saying like yeah she's like stuff like this like i will never take this for granted like this stuff doesn't Mm -hmm. come so often for this movie specifically when she was nominated and she's like i'm always glad to be here and it's an honor and like it was a very it just felt genuine and not like some sort of like, you know, it's an honor to be nominated sort of situation, but it made me like her I think she's pretty cool. <laughs>
1: I like Julie Julia Roberts. Roberts. Is cool guys. Yeah, no, I, I I like her. I feel like I've I you know I, I've never heard like I'd be curious like you know do people do people really like her? I always like when people say, oh yeah, everyone loves Julia Roberts, and I'm like, who is everyone and who have you talked to? How do you know? That's but right. I don't yeah. want I don't but I don't care. I just want the the like the cupcake of oh yeah, everybody in Hollywood loves Julia Roberts. One of those one of those like cr- like cheesy insider statements you're like you who are you who the fuck is everybody when was there a poll and yes but i i'm gonna just choose to believe that everyone does love her and uh and and in this movie i mean she does not give a bad performance she is a great actress i feel like especially as the movie progresses we do get to see her really kind of go to some hangdog places that i enjoy i like when she kind of like she gets that kind of like that turned down mouth moment. Oh yeah. And I, I just think that like, I've already kind of said before, I just think that this role really calls for like a real, a real worn down character actress, you know, like Amy Morton, for example, um, to nail this. And, uh, I I think it's interesting that they chose like, especially like with Meryl also in the movie, like such a big movie star for this role.
0: Yeah, I I really liked her. And I think it's because I haven't seen Amy Morton. I haven't seen a bootleg. I do love Amy Morton. I can only imagine that it's going to, going to exceed my expectations. But like you're saying, too, it's like they're not... The world isn't perfect and enough for us to have Amy Morton in this movie. I wish, I wish they would have brought her on to do it. But there are quality... I mean, maybe not like acting style or even like... Um, like they both have different voices too. I feel like Amy Morton's voice is also lower than Julia's and it just like works. I feel like she has a great roar. But there are times Mm -hmm. when I was like, I totally get why they cast Julia in this role because there are Amy Morton flashes. You know what I mean? It's just Mm -hmm. like, but she's not Amy Morton at the end of the day. But I really, really enjoy, it might be in my top, three or five Julia Roberts roles of all time. And I know that is like such a bold statement and maybe I'm just coming off the high of it, but I thought she was great. But I also see the other side of, you know, the um, uh, the Sandy Dennis effect. Of Amy did right, it. If, no one else can. So have a seat, Julia.
1: Yeah, it's not even Julia Roberts' fault. It's just like, oh, I just the the cement started to dry, and I was like, that was the way to do it. it. Was the way she did it. But I was I was happy to see, much like Juliette Lewis, I was happy to see Julia Roberts in a role that was like a stretch in a way. You know, I I think that there are it's there's so many little moments that I. Like for example, when they are talking, when Bill and Barbara are talking to Violet about um, Jana, and of course, you know she's calling them Indians and all of that, and, uh, and you awful. know Barbara's yeah. like, you know they, uh, she was, like Barbara's like, well they're they're called Native Americans, and and you know Violet's like, well you know protesting that, well why do they want to be called that? Well that's what they want to be called. Well they're no more native than I am. And in the movie, like Barbara, her delivery is like. When, in fact, they are. But, mm-hmm. like, Amy Morton's delivery is, and I think you can actually find even, in, like, a, a high-quality clip of, like, her delivery of the line where she's, like, in fact, they are. Like, it's more of, like, that. And, it uh... like, the delivery of it is just, like, so much, like, funnier and so much more correct. And then there's another moment later that just, like, stood out to me of, like, wow, how much— It didn't seem to work in the movie. And this isn't even Julia Roberts' fault. I think this is like the director's fault, is when Maddie Faye is revealing to Barbara about Ivy and little Charles... Steve and Karen are coming into the porch and Barbara turns, goes, go away, go away, just get out. And in the, in the play, it is like such a funny moment. Like it's a big physical, like comedy moment for Barbara of waving them out of the living room. Get out, just get out. And they, and it's, it, it's so, and it's such a great device in the play, like writing wise, directing wise, because it's at such a tense moment to then have such a funny moment. Like it's a great balance, but, um, it just didn't play that way here. And and this is, again, this is not really, we're just talking about Barbara, but it's this is not against Julia Roberts. It is maybe one of the other things I, I was feeling with this movie was like, sometimes I wanted the, the direction to be a little more specific or a little more like, like th- this guy, the director is, um, his name is John Wells. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's like produced a ton of things. He's written a ton of things. He hasn't like directed a ton of things. And I don't. I have also not directed a ton of things. But that stood out to me of like, yeah, I felt like the direction was like a little, not a little flat, but it needed kind of like the Mike Nichols, who's afraid of Virginia Woolf quality oh, of like, yeah. you need to know how to finesse the play into a movie, you know?
0: Yeah, I feel like me liking Julia Roberts' performance, um, and of course, without seeing Amy Morton, I feel like when, like, I, you know, because of course, like, I'm a diehard, like, original Broadway cast recording junkie. Like, if, for instance, like, I love the Into the Woods original Broadway cast recording, mm-hmm. but one time I heard, um, I almost called him Colin, I heard Keon listening in the uh, in the kitchen, listening to the movie soundtrack of into the woods and I was like get <laughs> out of my house <laughs> he was listening to the prologue no less I was like you can't do that and I feel like it's similar it's a similar comparison it's like it's it's the original Broadway casting of Barbara versus the and or like uh, I think this is even more egregious like the movie cover of a book compared to the original oh, like, cover. like no yes no, thank you get
1: absolutely out get out that that, this is not art yeah (laughs) Uh, yeah this is not art but it's you know uh i found that i was i was cheering for julia roberts to do do well you know to to feel right for me in this movie And, and, and as it went on i think it did i i feel like the benefit of the play being three and a half hours is that once you get to the catfish scene towards the end like they've really taken their time to show like the de-evolution of Barbara and the way in which she's turning into Violet, yeah. and the way that things have just gotten kind of abject—that like there's a kind of hazy hysteria about it. I think three three hours and fifteen minutes in, you know, whereas it it did to me it, the the eat your fish, bitch, all that felt like it like oh my god, we're suddenly doing this out of nowhere. It didn't work for me the way I think it wanted to.
0: Gotcha. I mean, it's interesting to hear the flip side of it, like to, that that scene, you know that that was played for laughs. Because I I did like that scene when she was like, get off, get out of here, get off the porch. But I had I have no idea that that's that could have been played differently. So I'm I'm glad I know that, and I I I probably will watch the bootleg at some point. But I liked I liked Julia in it. But I I feel weird saying it because <laughs> because no Amy no. Great. Uh,
1: no, I, I I'm kind of in a way like jealous that you don't you know that thing where like once you've seen one version or you've heard one recording you just can't appreciate the other one you know and it's like I, I you know I wish I wish I could give Julia her roses um, yeah but I do think that that leads us to really uh, the uh, speaking of roses Debella uh, a ball. De de ball the you know uh, the star of this garden Violet Weston Meryl Streep, what's your takeaway? Because, you know, you had kind of set up the episode, you know, earlier on, like, you thought this was Meryl's third Oscar. And so, yeah. kind of a cliffhanger. So, and now having seen it, what do you think?
0: I think, I'm going to try to, like, because I was thinking about this, watching it, and even, like, before we recorded, too. I think she's great. She's always going to be great. And this there is so much of this performance, like, especially, like, you know... I don't know what it is about like someone taking their wig off and like seeing their hair underneath that. It's just it just it's one of those like tropes, I guess, almost where it just like it feels more gritty because it's like it's like a layer of vulnerability, I guess. But, you know, she has cancer like five minutes into the movie. So, of course, we're going to see that Um, there's I I can't really pinpoint it because this was the year not to go on a tangent, but I will. I believe this is the year that Kate Blanchett won for Blue Jasmine and Lupita Nyong'o won for Twelve Years a Slave at the 2014 Oscars. So it's interesting because like everyone kind of knew that Kate was gonna win. It was Kate's, but I just and Meryl didn't really win too much else this season. But like in a different year, I can totally see her winning. And maybe it was just because of the Blue Jasmine got in the way. I. I liked her way more than I thought I would because I kind of went with my, with my arms crossed. And I feel like my favorite moment of hers is when she was out on the swing sitting next to um, Karen and the girls and just telling that story about the boots. Like, just, Ugh. I was so enamored and, like, I it was... It's watching a pro do what she does best. And I was just so... And it's such a non-dramatic... I mean, it's a dark story. Let's not get that... (laughs) Let's not get it twisted. But Mm -hmm. that was one of my favorite moments. I was like, yeah, this is... She's like locked in. And so was I. I'll stop there because I'll just keep babbling.
1: I went into it very similar of like basically preparing to appreciate this the same way I would like fade done away as Joan Crawford, you know, of like, Oh, this is just going to be so over the top and so miscast. And it's just Meryl in a black fright wig, you know, just overacting or whatever. I don't know what I, what I decided this, what this was going to be, even though I'd seen the movie before, but like you gotta fucking give it to her. You gotta, she, she, she will just, make the role her own and i really i fully 110 percent agree the swing scene where she talks about the the awful boots story is is her her best scene in the movie and i fully agree like locked it in i was like this is and and granted you know i have not seen the play in a very long time but like i don't i think the benefit of it being a movie here was you got to really see all those little those little micro moments, and those little emotions of her reliving the moment of like finding, seeing the boots and seeing that they're not the ones she wanted, but the, the dirty shit covered ones. And like, I felt like in the play, Deanna dunigan like kind of kept her cards close to her chest with this and like, mm-hmm. didn't show you how sad this was for her. And like, maybe I'm not remembering or maybe my, my seats up in Canarsie, you know, were killing my view <laughs> a little bit, but uh, I, I, I love that, like, Meryl took those moments of, like, when Violet is telling the story and then remembers. It's like she's remembering as she's telling it yes. what happens. And, like, you see her process that. And I was like, ugh, Meryl, it's all yours. You can have it. You win. I take it back. You're so good at this. And she really is. Like, she, I kept even that one scene where like she runs away when they're like driving back from the doctors or whatever. And Mm -hmm. she runs through the field. Like there was a part of me that like, as she was kind of like toddling across the field, you know, uh, in the wig and the sunglasses, like, Oh, is this camp? And I was like, no, I think it's good. Yeah. I I think this is just like, it's not over the top. I think I believe all of this. And, um, no, I, I I fully think this is this she earned her Oscar nomination. This wasn't just kind of like a let's let's give another one to Meryl, you know. Yeah. But to answer your question, this was the year that Kate Blanchett won for Blue Jasmine and was up against Amy Adams for American Hustle, Judy Dench for Philomena, uh which I think is pronounced Philomena, but whenever I see that title I always say, "Oh, Philomena." <laughs> It's just between me and the cat, and now I guess everyone else listening. Love it. And Sandra Bullock for Gravity. Oh my goodness! Full circle, yeah. Um, And then just you know, because it's our namesake, best support, uh, best supporting actress. Indeed, Lupita Nyong'o won and was up against Julia, Sally Hawkins in Blue Jasmine, Jennifer Lawrence in American Hustle, and June Squibb in Nebraska. Nebraska.
0: Oh my gosh! What a great year.
1: Yeah, it is a really good year. We should do Nebraska at one point. I feel like uh, a little a little Best Supporting June might be good for us.
0: Yeah, I feel like it's such a sister piece to August Osage County in a way. Right? You know? I, I wanted to say this, too, because it is one of my favorite moments from that boot monologue. Because there's so much of, like, so many Merrill-isms that, like, I wasn't quite aware that they were a Merrillism until like I saw Chloe Feynman do them on SNL or like mm-hmm. some Instagram video, you know, like the tossing of the hair and like feeling the neck and, but she taps her teeth. Do you remember that moment? She like, yeah. her fingers and like kind of goes like click, click, click. And it is like, it's in the darkest part of the story. I feel. And I was like, it almost reminded me of the cross on the chin. It was that. I was good. just gonna say it's, it's the so big little
1: lies cross on the chin because yes. I remember I definitely remember the tap and I was like, oh, Meryl, that's that thing. Where's the cross? Yeah, uh, yeah. It it's really it is a great performance and um, you know and and a, you know just a, a tragic character you know in the well, you know and you've read the play but in the yeah. uh, you know the original script the the story ends with Violet being comforted by Jonna, you know, mm-hmm. while she kind of just like rambles in, in, you know, incoherently. Uh, and that's the end. And Marco, do you have a problem with that ending? I'm going to tell them about how they added on an ending. I will. Um, <laughs> sorry folks. If you couldn't hear that, I've got a, you know, uh, I've got my own Violet Weston over here, <laughs> yeah. but, uh, I'm running things now. He's uh, like, you're but... about as sexy as a wet cardboard
0: box. <laughs> <laughs> that's what, that's one of the lines that I laughed out loud when I read the play the first time I was like that's yeah. so perfect it's she so says that good. to Maddie Fay too which I love yeah
1: yeah it's perfect uh, and I love in the movie the way that like Maddie Fay laughs it off like I like yes. that Marco, like her version of Maddie Fay doesn't take any insult to this mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. um but the ending, uh, yes. yes, but the ending. So it's sh- it it you know, and I think that's kind of the preferred ending, at least you know, from Tracy Letts' standpoint, and you know, anyone who I guess has seen the play. But I guess the test audiences didn't. They they wanted a little more resolution on Barbara, and so they tacked on this ending of her you know stopping and and pulling over and having a sense of a sense of calm, a sense of resolution. <laughs> a sense of resolution. <laughs> you know, you know, because I guess the concern was like, oh, is Barbara? similar to Ivy. Like, is she really free from this or is she just kind of bringing this poison out back to her, her life? You know what I mean? Uh, and that's what I love about the play is that we don't really know what happens to Barbara. There's just that the realization of like, Oh, it's gone too far, you know? And, uh, they cut it from the movie, but in the play, I think the police officer that, that she tells Jean that she used to date in high school, he shows up towards the end of the play and she makes like a really, like sad pass at him. And I feel like that's part of her mm. realization of like, Oh, it I'm, I'm just this, like, you know, uh, I, I'm, I'm this sad woman in a robe in a dark house in the middle of the plains, just like desperate for validation. I am my mother, you know?
0: Yeah, I I don't think I needed it either cuz I pictured in my mind from what I remembered from the play too like uh, almost like the end of the humans with with uh, Richard Jenkins just like the lights mm-hmm. are like shut off and there's so many shadows and he's you know like with no one and I would have loved to just like right. seen Violet just like yelling for Jana but not like never even finding her and ending up just like alone. I would have like, yeah, preferred yeah. that too. Um yeah, I didn't need it. I got it like but I didn't need it.
1: Woo, that is the cast. That is truly not... That is, that, that is the BSAs plus everyone else yeah. of August Osage County. I mean, really, there's nobody else to talk about other than Jana. who, you know, Misty Upham is... It's a small role in the play. She doesn't really get much to do either. But I like that, like, in the play and in the original ending, she's, you know, uh, she's a central part of that. I think there's something really interesting about it being just you know John alone with Violet in the end you know like I think there's something so creepy and like sad about this house in the middle of nowhere and there's this woman upstairs in the attic who's like alone with this poor pill-addled drunk you know
0: and it's the first time and I I feel like it it should be like this in the play too that she actually calls her by her first name like she's oh that's true yeah yeah I was like oh yeah so she's just playing her part you know but I I do love that because she needs her
1: yeah she needs her and so you don't really know in the end if it's just that like Violet just needs somebody or if she's like accepted that this is all she has and like in the play like she's so clearly far gone that like there that those synapses aren't there like she's so just like in a different world yeah. but it does kind of suggest like well especially in the movie it being like this is like one o'clock in the afternoon yeah. there's something about that that's so unnerving of like so what's the rest of this day look like you know
0: I know. It's such a great movie. I mean, it's an even better play. I'm looking forward to watching that bootleg and reporting back one day on Miss Amy Morton.
1: One day. I'm never going to hear back on (gasps) Amy Morton. How dare you? This is on a list, isn't it?
0: You beast. (laughs) You (laughs) That's the August Osage (laughs) County episode there, yeah. Totally. (laughs) Eileen Davidson as Barbara.
1: Oh, don't even suggest- Okay. Well now that's the game I want to play at the, you know, oh, we have to course, go, but yeah. like recasting August Osage County with real housewives. Tinsley oh.
0: Mortimer is Karen, you know?
1: Oh my God. Oh, so, okay. Well now we have to do this. Okay. So, yeah. so Violet, okay. Well maybe we'll just keep it to Roni and maybe Beverly Hills, but Violet, does Ramona have the range?
0: I don't know. It's like immediately I think of like, Bethany as Barbara and Violet as Luann uh-huh. because of the ca- like life is not a cabaret scene. You know what I mean? The fact that like oh she couldn't get sure to her and Luann was somehow winning even though Luann wasn't doing anything. But yeah, I I don't feel great about Luann as as Violet either. I think
1: I think you've landed on maybe the most perfect casting is Bethany Frankel as Barbara. I think that is that might be. The only casting we need <laughs> she to could do like before we get played do off. She could it for real, I think, yeah. <laughs> she could, yeah. I think that is, anyone else could be so many people, but I like that realization that, like, Bethany as Barbara. Or, like,
0: that. Kim Richards as Ivy.
1: Or Kim Richards as anyone. I feel like Kim could definitely be Violet. This is going to be our life's work. So we've, we've gone on long enough as it uh. is. August Osage County may be a three and a half hour play, but that's not what this episode's going to be. And the movie's two hours and one minutes, and that's also not what this episode's going to be. And you know why? Because we're getting played off. (laughs) Of course. You know, of course, of course. Well, uh, before before we hit the road and, uh, you know, head back to Civilization, where can folks find more of you? They can find me on my other two podcasts, uh, The Squirrel Friends Cocktail Hour.
0: Uh, only maybe one more episode yeah. left of All Star Seven. We're, we're getting down to the nitty gritty. Finale this week, yep. I think, yep. right? Um, with Amanda Kaczynski. So tune into that. And uh, my other podcast, The Good Vanilla, which is a Barefoot Contessa podcast. And you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Nick Kuchanov. How about you?
1: Well, you can find more of me on All Right, Mary, uh, also covering one more episode of All Stars 7 this week. Uh, And then we are actually, I think after that, we're moving everything we're going to be doing for the next couple months, I think is going to be on Patreon with like some free previews on the main feed, but like take a little main feed break. So, you know, now's a good time to get in on uh, All Right, Mary, or go check out the free archives or become a Patreon. Hey, I don't know what you want to do, but you could also (laughs) listen to me on In the Details, a celebration (laughs) of nuance. And you can find me on Instagram at Colin Drucker underscore, and you can find more of both of the two of us in a best supporting capacity at patreon.com slash BSAPod.
0: And you can also follow us on Instagram at BSAPod or send us an email at thebsapod at gmail.com.
1: And if ever there was a week to keep your peepers peeled, this is it because we will be opening the best supporting after show on Patreon with a very big announcement. Yes. and there will be more to share on the main feed next week we have, we have some uh, very exciting development happening on the Best Supporting Podcast in particular on Patreon and so if you'd like to find out what that is and join us for that uh, because it will be an ongoing thing um, mm-hmm. that was let's just say was mentioned at some point in this episode Ooh. that's at patreon.com slash bsapod Can't wait. It's
0: super exciting.
1: Yeah, well, let's get the hell out of here, because that, as they say, is that.